Hello and thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Damn Good Podcast, your one-stop shop for employee benefits and financial education in the hospitality industry, brought to you by Davidson Asset Management. I'm Alex Keddy, or AK55, your host and corporate benefit specialist, and each episode I'm joined by an expert from a different field within hospitality. From restaurants to catering, luxury hotel management to regional operations, we're asking the big questions to help you, our listeners, arm yourself with the knowledge about the three R's, recruitment, retention and reward, and how employee benefits play a part in that. Who knows, we might even have some fun along the way. Welcome along to the Damn Good Podcast. Today we're joined by John Dawson, the Group Director of People Development at The Law Group. Great to have you along, John. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Delighted to be here. Yeah, looking forward to hearing your words of wisdom. <laughs> Can you provide a potted history of your career and how you sort of got into hospitality? Could you share that with our listeners? Yeah, sure. Uh, whenever whenever anyone asks me that question, I sound a little bit old now, uh, saying how I got into hospitality. But but like, like, like many people, um, in many ways, I sort of fell into it, you know, you know, by mistake in, in many ways, whereby, uh, you know, you've known me for a long time, Alex. Um, I was a, I was a keen footballer back in my youth, and uh, you know, pl- played at a very, very good level. And uh, um, unfortunately, didn't quite make it professional. Um, I'm not one of those people that said, oh, you know, I suffered with an injury or, or whatever. <laughs> so, um, for, 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 you know, I played a, played for for a Sheffield club. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, the blue and white half of Sheffield. And played uh, unfortunately for the red and white half, um, and then uh, moved on to play for for Chesterfield, and then played semi-professional uh, wow. for a little while. Um, but when when I sort of um, moved from not not making it a pro to to playing sort of semi-pro level, probably thought I better go to to college and uh, you know maybe get an education because as great as semi-professional football was, it was never going to pay the bills. So um, what position did you play? Uh, I generally played sort of uh, either centre midfield or, or, or right hand side of midfield. Um, so so yeah, so decided to go to you know very very fortunate. Um, went to the local college back in Sheffield and uh, was was actually had had an amazing um, lecturer who was our sort of main lecturer who was actually the coach of the women's English basketball um, team and uh, uh, great great inspiration and you know. Did, did okay at college, um, didn't really know what I wanted to do, said, you know, go to university. And I just decided to choose, you know, hospitality and tourism management. Um, d- did that as part of a um, degree course, had a lot of fun there at university. Um, and um, my, my first sort of role within hospitality, actually, uh, was when I, I decided to take myself off for a year out and uh, go and work in the US. Um, and I worked for a company called Boca. Resorts Inc., which was a, was a luxury hotel company um, in Florida. Um, interesting story with that. Actually, I was due to go and work for for Hyatt in a place called Hilton Head Island, and a couple of weeks before I was due to go out there, it got hit by a hurricane. So they actually, the lady who was again very very fortunate, the lady who looked after the career placements, put me on a um, sort of a, a management development program, even though I'm not graduated on a graduate program and. Uh, I went to, to Naples, Florida, a lovely hotel, and that's funny enough where I met my wife. Oh, <laughs> so, so, so things happen for a, a reason, right? So, And she actually, believe it or not, was 
two years in, in she's two years older than me so uh, she actually worked at the hotel I was going to go at that got hit by a hurricane so uh, so that was my real sort of how I fell into hospitality and you know kind of work blue you need a lot of blue in <laughs> yeah yeah literally literally so uh, that was my sort of first taste of hospitality just went out there quite honestly to have a little bit of fun and but fell in love with the industry and very very quickly realized just what a great industry it is and how quickly you can progress and move around and try different things and then came back graduated um, and then worked for Marriott International and um, started in operations and sort of my career in in HR I probably the best mentor I could ever hope for and a, a wonderful lady called Alison Lees um, who heads up sort of HR for, for Marriott UK and Ireland and she pretty much taught me what I know with along with a lady called Juliet Hewins um, who's the sort of HR manager and they were pretty much the people that, that taught me everything I know, you know, within the HR field and, and brought me into the HR field. And, you know, 25 years later, I'm still in the HR field and, uh, you know, I may have lost a little bit of hair since then, <laughs> you know, but, but, um, but you know, really, really enjoy what I do and, and the industry is just amazing. So that's a little bit of a brief background, if that's okay. <laughs> that's superb. That's superb. I mean, so basically moving on with, with reports that in March this year, the Office of National Statistics, saying that 100,000 EU nationals had left jobs in the accommodation and food services sector, which is the highest in any industry in the UK. And vacancies in hospitality are hitting 176,000 between April and June, this last quarter. Um, It's quite clear that what the challenge is within the hospitality industry. Um, But how do we work in the hospitality industry towards making it a profession of choice in the UK for school leavers and university graduates? I mean, my nephew and niece... Um, did the usual um, at university, spent um, the summer holidays working in a bar. And I, I was sort of saying to them, I'm sort of espousing how good the hospitality industry is and the skills that you learn and also the ability when you're relatively young to have a lot of responsibility in the industry. But for some reason, it seems to have fallen on deaf ears and they've gone into a different career path, totally different to the hospitality. How do we capture that or what, what do you see the opportunities for that developing with the university and school leavers? I I think, first of all, we keep talking about this as an industry and we need to probably start doing a lot more things around it. And I, I'll give you I'll give you a specific example. Um, prior to joining Law Group, you know, I was at the Mandarin Oriental. We, we worked with um, Edge Hospitality School um, and set up a programme, um, you know, with the government around how do we actually, how do we actually go and educate the career advisors about hospitality and don't quote me on the exact numbers but I think there was something like three and a half thousand you know career advisors in the UK and out of that I think there was only 35 that was kind of surveyed that had a really good understanding of hospitality and everyone just thought it was you know it was like you've just said it's kind of a, an interim job to a better things and one of the things that I learned sort of doing that project is is first of all we, that's where we've got to that's where we've got to start targeting as an industry how do we actually work with the career advisors and and we we did something that was quite interesting Um, we brought them to to the Mandarin Oriental the career advisors and we actually developed a program around teaching career advisors about hospitality and we brought in a different array of people from people that necessarily have come through like a vocational level people that have been you know management graduates that have got hospitality and you know some senior managers and when I say senior managers you know not necessarily you know like 50s to 60 year old senior managers but managers that have moved through the ranks very very quick and fast and, and a lot of the career advisors were very very surprised 
around the variety of job roles hospitality can take you. And it really, really opened their eyes to it. And one of the key things that I think we need to do a lot more as an industry is shout about the life skills that hospitality can can teach you. But also as well, it has this perception still that, you know, when you go into the industry and entry level, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's minimum wage effectively. And when we told the career advisor, we put up a, a one pager of the salaries you can earn if you progress at a certain level, you know, to, to management. And they were absolutely blown away. The fact that when you work in hospitality, you, you can very quickly earn more than the likes of a teacher or, or someone in, in other reputable professions. They never realized that. So for me, I think as an industry, we've got to really start targeting those career advisors and schools, as, as you've said, those that, that talent that we're able to rely upon, certainly in the UK, um, you know, that, that talent pool is not there um, no more. And, you know, obviously being in a group role, I, I, I see things in Europe and see things in the US. And certainly the UK is, is probably the furthest behind in, in doing those types of things. You know, I don't see as much issues in, you know, we have properties in Amsterdam, for example, with young talent coming through. And certainly in the US, it's certainly seen as, as, as more of a profession. Um, and then again, that's just driven through, you know, through the schools and the colleges. So we've definitely got to do more work in that area. Exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, that's sort of leading on to, I mean, whilst we're talking about youngsters, one of the things that I find when I go abroad, say to Italy or France, I also come across like waiters sometimes who are into their, dare I say, later parts of their life, but they're so enthusiastic. You know, they'll, they'll have all the patter and they'll, they'll, you know, in a restaurant or whatever. And I think to myself, what are, they've obviously retained their staff, you know, their staff to do that. And I always think, you know, is there, whilst we always talk about the, you know, I don't know what generation we're on now, but the youngsters, you know, we have got quite a, a, an, an, old, an older popu- uh, population as well um, who have still got good skills. So how do we try and tap in and maybe attract some of the older generation into hospitality as well? Because there could be an opportunity for some of those individuals, perhaps. It's, 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 it's a great question and, and something that, probably but when we think about our recruitment strategies as an industry here um you know it generally tends to be people within the industry you know with experience i think long 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 gone of those days you know as in the talent pool's not there so what it is actually doing is it's actually making organizations think about how do we broaden that talent pool how do we actually you know there's some amazing amazing individuals out there and you know i'll give i'll give a great example you know the, the the law group for example has just opened a a property earlier this year, 100 Shoreditch. And the, 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 the team, the people culture team there at that hotel had a deliberate recruitment strategy to go out to target people from within Shoreditch who could really sort of bring sort of that area to life, really passionate about that. And we had some absolutely amazing people. There's, there's a young gentleman, Mitchell, that's, that's on the door there, you know, work within the fashion industry. And he has just got this personality that is amazing, that, that great smile when you walk through the door. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's, there's another gentleman there that works on the door um, as well. As in, he's, he's certainly, you know, um, comes from that sort of a demographic um, of age you've just met. And, and he is just a great people person. And whenever you go to, I'm a very big believer in whenever, you, you know, we go to the hotels, I always go and speak to, you know, the, the, the person that's serving the coffee, that's, you know, that's checking people in. And, and you just ask them, how's things? You know, what can we do better for you? But what you get from those individuals is, I love working here because you meet so many different people. And, you know, the, the, the interactions they have, 
there's never one day that's the same you know because of the interactions that they have and i think we could do a lot more around sort of bringing that to the surface and showcasing that um, I'm sure you're aware of the the, the campaign that, that Kate Nichols and, and the team are doing a wonderful yeah, job, on. job on. It. Yep. How do we how do we highlight hospitality, you know, to to the nation? That that's that's you know that's sort of where you know the 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 um, sort of promotion that, that I know Kate and um, the, her team are kind of working on. How do we get adverts on TV like the Navy, you know, like the Army that puts hospitality right at the focal point of you know of the nation i think that that that's where we've got to push yeah. and that's that's where we've got to think as an industry that's a, mm-hmm. that's great i mean that engagement has to happen and um, to get that because as i say i've we've worked in uh, we've been a little niche in the hospitality arenas financial services but i mean it's just incredible um how what a wonderful industry it is and but trying to portray that over to individuals like i say my my nephew and niece, you know, I, I did all my best I could for them, but they, they, they've, they've decided to take a different career path. But it's interesting you mention actually um, localised, getting people from that area, Shoreditch, I think it's brilliant. Because one of the points I was thinking about was when I go back up to hotels in Scotland and even the north of England, um, I come across a lot of the people either cooking my breakfast or making my bed and that who are speaking with a Scottish accent and in, in no way um, being any sort of uh, bringing in Scotland, England sort of thing. But there seems to be, um, certainly in other parts of the, in the regional areas, um, a real, maybe it's just because I haven't got the talent pool, because I mean, to be honest, I've spoken to individuals in hospitality who I say to them, look, you know, you're working in London, the cost of living in London, they could be on the minimum wage, as you say. And I say, well, why would you not sort of move further north where you're going to be paying the same, but you won't be paying as much for your rent, but you'll be getting paid the same. But they're perception maybe is that you know oh it's too cold up north and the weather's not great but ultimately um i think scotland as an as example and I, i've obviously been scottish I, I i did notice it more when i came down here it was more dare i say a lot of overseas and, and maybe it's just because london's so big that um you know we do there's a lot of british people working in the industry but it does seem to be that in certain regions um hospitality has got a, a wee bit more of a hold and as i say i was fascinated to hear when you mentioned doing that thing with shoulder drinks a great project because you say they, they they live in the community yeah it's if I think it's kind of interesting you bring Scotland up considering that we're sitting here drinking iron brew. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that yeah, in there. Yeah, a bit of advertising. In. There are other drinks are available. <laughs> but but yeah, it, it, as a guy from the north of England, I can absolutely relate to that. And, you know, certainly, um, certainly, I think a lot depends on the individual. You know, a lot does depend on the individual. And if I think back to when I was, you know, 19, 20, 21, you know, I, looking at the potential careers I could have had in hotels, I'm not going to London, it's far too expensive, you know, as in don't want to go down down there. And, and, and now if when people ask me, do you have any regrets in your career? My, my one regret is I wish I'd have come to London earlier. And, and, and that worked for me because I learned so much because, you know, the, the, the fabric of the city is so diverse. You know, there's so many different opportunities. There's so many amazing restaurants, hotels. And that's the beauty about working in hotels. You know, you can go into one hotel, cross the street and have a completely different experience. But certainly going back to, to answer the kind of question around sort of the demographics of, of hospitality in, in sort of different cities, um, a, a lot of it, you know, a, a lot of it may also come down to, to the individual, let's call it business strategy. The, the business strategy may be to go and, you know, find local people from local schools and local colleges. And you may see that come through, which is not a bad thing, because you know what? 
if you think about the sort of guests, if the guests are going to go and spend, you know, some time in Edinburgh, you know, in, in Glasgow, in, you know, you know, Sheffield or, or wherever, they also want that localized experience as well. And that could be a good USP for that particular property. So I think there's, there's a couple of different ways you can kind of, you know, ha have a view on that. Um, but, but yeah, it's, I think, I think generally across the industry, though, there is a, there is a, there is a, we're in a very, very difficult position in regards to uh, attracting and retaining top talent. Well, you're certainly doing your bit in raising the profile within uh, the industry. Your recent accolade uh, from HR Magazine as the 11th most influential HR professional, you know, flying the flag for uh, hospitality. Um, and not just that, I mean, that's amongst all the HR sectors. So well done on that. That's uh, a great accolade. So congratulations on that, John. Um, do you think there is a case, though, for more um, industry mentors to go, as you mentioned, going into schools and universities to encourage that? Because I guess it's only when you see personal stories and, and actual career histories that people can actually associate with it. I mean, you can do adverts and everything, but if you have the actual individual going in. I mean, I, I always find it fascinating that, you know, you have things like, you know, MasterChef, the amateurs, and they'll, they'll have this MasterChef thing, and I'm thinking they'll talk about your profession. It'll come up saying such and such is such, and, and they're a doctor or a lawyer or financial services or whatever it is that they're in a profession. And here they are on a MasterChef in a competition to, to be a chef, to bring out, cook good food, but also to, you know, just going to chefing. Why? Why? And all of a sudden, I say they're profession. Is it just the lure of being maybe TV celebrities? Maybe it is a celebrity culture. But I think to myself, my goodness, that's people who have got other professional qualifications going in to be a chef, but they didn't actually, for some reason, start off as a chef at the beginning. And, and, I, and I always find that a sort of juxtaposition where you're thinking, well, they could have been a chef, they could have gone into hospitality right at the start as a chef. And we know the demands and challenges of getting chefs just now. I, I, maybe it is the celebrity culture that we live in now. They're, they're... It, it, it's, certainly, it, it's certainly something that hospitality, you have to love it. You know, you have to be passionate about either working with people, you know, or, or you know, from a chef perspective, being creative or, or really loving what you do. And and I, I think I think, you know, going back 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 to the piece around mentoring, you know, I, I've been so, so fortunate in, in my career that I have had some of the best mentors along my career journey. And, uh, you know, across the industry, we have got some absolutely fabulous people, you know, who you know, I'm sure we'll probably appear on this show um, as well. But but I, I I also try and make sure that that I mentor people um, as well. So like for example, we've we just launched a um, law group a, a graduate program, our first graduate program called Design Your Career. And as part of Design Your Career, the hospitality graduates that that join us, one of the prerequisites is they have a mentor, and that mentor is from sort of the senior leadership team of the region of hotel wearing, because that is so important, that coaching, that guidance um, as well. And do you know there's certain we do with hospitality schools? I think we've got to take that a step further where we talked about the schools and colleges, how do we get into mentoring people at the end of, you know, the school leavers, you know, bringing them into, so if they do want to be a chef, how do we get those great chefs to, to teach them a creativity, to, to bring them in so we can, you know, we can really get that passion um, out of it. So there's, there's definitely, you know, a huge supporter of, you know, of mentoring, um, you know, on, on why we're talking about bringing young people and mentoring into the industry, I'll, I'll give a great example. Um, Phil Street, who does um, another podcast yeah. um, that, yes, that's very, very popular indeed. as well. Yes. Um, he he also um, 
um, sort of does a joint venture um, around sort of organising hospitality events. And one of the things I was so impressed with, um, we went to an event in February and what that sort of, you know, Phil did and, and that organisation is they invited, I can't remember which university, I think it may be University of Surrey, I might have got that wrong. But what they did is they gifted a table to um, that university to bring students along, to be around leading industry professionals, listen to some of the panel discussions and literally, you know, I, I was, you know, I got asked to, to be on a panel and I came off and it was the break and it was just so, so enlightening to have these young students coming to ask questions and talk to us and they asked the most amazing questions ever. What is your group doing about the metaverse? What's your strategy around that? I was like, not even thought about that, yeah. <laughs> you know, as in, t- talk, it's great to hear you talk about sustainability and, you know, as in your, your strategy around that. I think that's so important to us. So... I think I think you know, and this is kind of my plea <laughs> for, for for those for those that are doing the sort of you know events in future within hospitality. I really really do think there's something in that that for the sake of gifting a table to a university, a school, a college to bring to to, to let people really you know into sort of seeing some of the best industry professionals when they're doing sort of different panels and different events I, I i think there's so much in that and then maybe we'll take those people and then mentor them you know and it's just another strategy that we have that's tremendous i really do think that that uh, you know having people on even just work i know work experience can be seen upon in all professions people come along to do a week and it's not quite the same as real life but that sounds a fantastic initiative i think that's something that um yeah if there's listeners out there they should be uh, working towards that because that, that's terrific um, I guess that also leads me on to what whilst you're saying funny enough you mentioned your sort of uh, graduate career program uh, talent not just in hospitality but there's a talent war for everywhere you know in all industry sectors and I guess that's the thing you could um, have a situation where you're and, and this happens on other sides of as I say other industry sectors but you train them up and give them all the the skills and everything, and the dangers they get poached by potentially other industry sectors if they're, especially on the graduate side, um, it's bound to retention. And how do we retain staff? Because you're cost, it costs money to train people up, and you want to make sure you keep them as such. Is there, is there do you envisage that being a, another challenge whereby you do have, and, and you will obviously that you can't stop everyone um, moving on, but it could be that sort of poaching sort of situation. It's it's just rife at the moment, especially in the UK. Is in there's no there's no question about that, and and I, I think there's two angles to look from. I think you know from from a a retention perspective, you know there's, there's there's various different levers you can do that. Whether it's pay benefits, what's more important than anything at the moment is work life balance, um, and you know we can't no longer think about everyone's going to work 40 hours a week and they're going to do you know 60 70 hours a week gone are those days and and it's kind of that education piece around sort of the leaders within the business to say that if you can hire someone that's great for two days a week and you know they they study in or you know hire them for two days a week and then they can be great and then we can get them excited about working within the industry i think we've got to think a little bit more along those lines yeah Um, i think that's i mean i think about some of my um, my friends who have gone into various things they do for four years at you know university do maybe accountancy and I think there's now a move towards people actually saying do I want to come out with all that debt why not do I just go into an accountant's firm and do the training on I know it's harder because you're working but you, you're also getting work experience and highly likely you're going to get a job at the end of it by being in that company so maybe that's uh, a, an approach and it's interesting you mentioned paying benefits I was actually going to ask I mean in an industry sector that has 
you know, traditionally, a lot of the parts of it have relied on gratuities and tips, and that makes up you know a large part of remuneration. It's good news to hear that a lot of the horror stories of people saying that companies would put it on a, if you put a Mastercard or put it on that you would not necessarily go back to the people that it deserves. The employer would keep it. Um, I mean, in terms of again using other industry sectors, um, a lot of people look at not just their salary and their holidays and their hours of work, but in other instructors, they actually look at their overall benefits package. And that might include the traditional life cover, pensions, that sort of thing. Um, how do we sort of get the industry? And I'm sure for yourself, I know uh, you, you're very passionate about making sure that you look after all your financial well-being. But how do we um, perhaps move the industry into that sort of mindset? Because obviously, having salary is important, but if there's poaching going on and somebody says, well, I'll pay you X salary, you know, it's a race to the bottom eventually because you can't keep paying these salaries because ultimately the customer has to pay for these things. So how do we um, try and ensure that individuals, you know, look at their all, overall benefits package? Um, I think that's important, certainly in other industries, as, as I mentioned. Um, and also, how do we move away from that sort of perception of being at gratuities and tips as a service industry? Uh, first of all, great question. Something that, that funny enough, was having a conversation with not so long ago around um, total reward statements and um, was, uh, you know I'm part of the HR hospitality committee and we we're talking about total reward statements at a recent sort of a uh, seminar and total reward statements unless you've got the right tech are very tricky to put together um, and we probably need to have a look at that as in if there's anyone out there developing any tech you know who can do total reward statements really quickly that can talk about pay pension benefits holidays you know because we do a lot of you know meals on duty you know discounted you know um, various things that you can get within there um, not many hospitality groups do total reward statements you know very very well as in that that's that's something we could absolutely look at to kind of make the employee realize this is actually the value that, that that i get and then probably my second point on that is um you know part of um an organization um i have that, that i kind of volunteer is there's the fair tip share board for the uk and um you know it started just before you know before covid and we, we put a board together and the whole purpose of this group is to really sort of um you know it's a bit like a kite mock you know um, where organisations can show that their their tips and their trunks are really transparent, and to help the employees really understand that you know this is how tips work and this is the money that I get, and you know making sure that all of those tips go to the employees, you know, and, and doesn't you know line the pockets of the employer at all. So that's something that I'm hoping you know um, as part of that group, um, it's, it's headed up by by a great gentleman, Peter. Um, um, He's very, very passionate about that um, as well. So hopefully that'll gain a little bit of traction in the next year or so and, and more organisations start signing up to things like that as well. So, you know, as, as an employee coming into hospitality, it'd be great if you could say, well, here's my total reward statement and I fully understand how tips work and, you know, when the customer pays the bill, how, you know, how that ends up or some of that ends up in my pocket. Do, do you think, I mean, maybe this is controversial and I suppose that's the point of these podcasts, but do you think tips sort of outdated now I mean I've got to be honest when, when, when the bill comes and it says service charge included uh, maybe it's just me I, I feel yeah it's good enough I've never actually turned around and said no I'd take that off or whatever and in a professional industry I mean I don't know other ones where you would always pay it by tips and it's interesting that you know I just think maybe tips and gratuities are 
seriously outdated and perhaps the customer would just sort of think, well, the service charge should just not be there and added into the cost because, I don't know, maybe because the, the service that you get, I understand that you need to, if you service, but I, I've always sort of just said, yeah, the service was adequate. The person brought the food and that's what they're there to pay to do. So why should I necessarily pay another 15% for for them to do what they're doing? I, I, I don't know. Maybe just being a bit, as I say, controversial. I, I think... I think I think it's depends on the demographic of the location. Obviously, spending a lot of time working in the US, you know, certainly, you know, in my time in Miami, um, that was that was an interesting time where you know you I think the service charge there is eighteen or twenty percent now that's automatically added, and if you don't pay that twenty percent, the service will ask you why not because it is kind of seen as a given that you should be doing that rather than incorporated it. You know, in the US, it's the norm, and I think if we were to potentially take that away I'm I'm just using London as the example here because we have a lot of obviously you know a lot of US if we were to take that away for for a city like London I think a lot of employees would potentially lose out because we have a lot of Americans same in our hotels in Amsterdam they they like to tip as well so as as much as as much as we may look at it you know two two guys from the north of England you know let's say as a, is is it outdated I think if you went to sort of different different countries it's really embedded in their culture. So as, as long as, as long as it's benefit benefiting the employee, then then I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. And and then the other thing that I always find, especially in five five star luxury, let's call it, um, I find that even individuals come, they're expected to come straight out of the, you know, they'll come to work and they're expected to get into uniform whatever, and they give this five star service. But sometimes I I. I had been fortunate to go down into the canteen areas and look behind the scenes of some hotels and I must admit sometimes and I and I say to some of the staff I say so you cycle into work do you get a towel and you get a shower and that before and and some of them say oh, no I've got to bring my own towel or I've got to do this or and I think to myself my goodness you know you're you're, you're asking them to be coming in hit the road running as five you're not going out seeing guests giving them five star service and sometimes I think maybe hotels could do a bit behind the scenes you know they come in the staff entrance the staff entrance can look a wee bit you know, it could do with a lick of paint or something. And I'm thinking, everywhere else is absolutely pristine and you're asking your employees to come in and like a back entrance. And I, I, again, I'm just, as, a, as an outsider to the hospitality, I, I, there's things that I think maybe... You, you, you've hit the nail on the head that's something I'm so, so passionate about. And, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the HR managers, people, directors that have worked with me in the past will know this is something that I'm so, so passionate about, making sure that the canteen does great food, that it's not the same every day. You know, if, if you've ever been to any of my, my hotels where there's HR directing, you walk back a house and you ask the team, you know, <laughs> John likes back a house to be, you know, and we used to spend a lot of money back a house. And, you know, we did a we did an amazing job at Mandarin Oriental where, you know, it was, it, it just needed a bit of work. And, you know, we the team did a great job there in really elevating that. And it's the little things like that having towels in the, you know, that get laundered anyway through the housekeeping, making sure that, you know, your your canteen has a chef, you know, or a designated person who really looks after the canteen, that it's not sort of delegated to, or, you know, sort of it's an afterthought. And, you know, I'm very, very fortunate. I work for one of, you know, the most inspirational CEOs in the gentleman called David Taylor. You know, you've probably heard of Hotel of the Year. And he is is also of that view as well, that, you know, it's very, very easy to 
to miss a position out of your budget who looks after the canteen but actually that is so short-sighted because what that individual does is they look after your employees they also find out what's not working in the hotel what are the issues and and sometimes those little things like a towel in there making sure the great food making sure there's a menu making sure there's different dietary options you know it, it we can do a hell of a lot better than that and you know one of the first things that, that i did when uh, when i joined the law group um and we went to our hotel to show show me around the hotel of I want to start back a house. <laughs> and recently, we brought the uh, we brought the the regional people directors um, over to London, um, sort of in, in March and May. And part of their their sort of their visit and and that sort of um, that um, that week that we spent as a leadership week, I took them out for a day. I was like, oh, great, great, we're going out for a day. Do you know what I did? I took them to the hotels. I knew do a great job around back of house. Who do and I said this is the level that we've got to get our hotels to. <laughs> so, so you're 100 percent right. So it's something I'm definitely passionate about doing. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's, it's something that I saw on television. It was a, I think it was back to the floor. It's called or something. And it's CEOs that go under in disguise, and they go to see their get and, and they speak to their employees. And as you quite rightly say, they're willing. Now, I guess if you didn't go in disguise. Most of them would probably say to the CEO, well, everything's fine, everything's cool. They're not going to be too controversial. But when he's under in disguise, or she's in disguise, it was amazing how many things came to light. And it was it, it was a real eye-opener. And I think sometimes all industries could benefit from their senior management going back into back to the back to the floor and see behind the scenes because it is such an important part. But anyway, that's um been great speaking to you, John. I mean, one final question. I mean, will you be encouraging your children to go into hospitality? What an amazing question, and the simple answer is yes. And I'm going to Fantastic. give you, I'm going to give you an answer of, of, of something. We'll be watching out for this. About John, over the four years. weeks ago, um, um, my, my my little girl, um, she she always, you know, she she, she I, I wish it was my hotels, but you know, she says, you know, Daddy, you always, you know, show pictures when I'm when travelling of all the nice hotels that that we, you know, we own and operate at, at Law Group, and um, in one of our hotels, the Sea Containers um, Hotel um, across the river. Um, it's got a cinema in there and so she came down to the Natural History Museum and um, had a day out in, in London with um, with her mom um, and I said why don't you come to see containers for lunch you know and we'll, we'll take it for lunch and she's you know she's um, she's uh, you know celiac so no gluten and the team did an amazing job of you know giving her a special menu dessert and um, I said okay do you, do you want a quick show around the hotel she's like I want to go and see the cinema I want to go and see the cinema. So literally, you know, um, <laughs> literally she saw the cinema and she was blown away. And when, when Granny and Grandad was asking about, you know, did you enjoy the London? She didn't say the Natural History Museum or the places. She said, and I saw the cinema at Daddy's Hotel. And I want to work in the hotel. So, so I think we've definitely, I think Brilliant. we've definitely hooked her in. Um, <laughs> That's a great advert. And to finish off, thank you listeners for listening and we'll be seeing you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Damn Good Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us reach more ears. You can follow us on LinkedIn on Damn Good Finance or visit our website at www.damngoodpensions.com. If you'd like us to put a question to one of our esteemed guests, please do not hesitate to get in touch. Until the next time, here's to your tomorrow. Thank you.